0: What has happened is a colossal military disaster. (音楽) We shall go on to the end. We shall never surrender. Okay, and cue the British National Anthem here. Nah, actually, I'm all oh i was about to do isn't it no, that's how like no, okay. every
1: movie every cartoon uses that for britain but i don't think that's the national anthem
0: oh is it <laughs> no, <that's>
1: france.
0: <laughs> actually france is a little involved in this movie a tight ty- no not really all right just enough just enough welcome everyone to the wages of cinema i'm jack and i'm andrew and uh just a little disclaimer at the start of this uh episode uh we're, we're actually recording um in my living room uh because it's it it, it would be it's damn hot it, it would be pretty damn stupid of us to be recording where we usually do which doesn't have air conditioning so if you hear a little air conditioning background that's why we're also going to be trying to speak up for this review but I actually don't mind having my voice up for this because I am so goddamn excited after seeing this movie oh
1: yeah and what did s- we
0: see Andrew we saw
1: Dunkirk
0: oh my god <laughs> oh my god yeah it's
1: there's a I have a lot to say about Dunkirk
0: <laughs> I, I'm sure you do as and um and I, I have a whole lot to say about it as well I'm, I'm curious how our two sides are going to uh kind of come at this um I guess, actually, uh, maybe a way to sort of start this off, though, before we... I mean, I'll start off just by saying my first thoughts. I think this is, by far, Christopher Nolan's best movie. Better than Memento? Yes. Better than The Dark Knight? Yes. I said it. I said it. It had to be said. You come after me, Internet. You come after me. I got my guns. No, actually, I don't. Better Um, than Inception. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, Inception... uh, this movie actually actually made me look think back to Inception and be like, "Huh, maybe I." I mean, I wonder why I saw in that movie as much as I That's did. That's funny
1: because you made me watch Inception.
0: Did I? Yes,
1: I saw it in your house. You're like, Andrew, you got to see Inception.
0: The this thing is is, gonna be awesome. uh, look, I, and it was awesome. I, look, Christopher Nolan is a good filmmaker, um, and I. I sometimes have come out of his movies pretty hyped up. I mean, when I saw The Dark Knight and when I saw Inception, I thought, oh my god, this is amazing. But the more times I watched it, I suddenly realized, eh, I don't know. Uh, There's some issues with this. and Too much people talking. This felt like something different from him. Yeah. In some Uh, ways. Not not in all ways, but in some ways. That's the thing
1: that you can really appreciate about Christopher Nolan. Whatever he does usually comes at it from a very interesting angle and he usually tackles a whole bunch of different things yes and this movie is no different it's quite uh quite unique this is the story of dunkirk
0: yes now as a as kind of the uh the the history teacher in the room uh why don't you tell actually our audience just in kind of a nutshell a, a little bit about dunkirk because a lot of people actually don't know as much about it as maybe they should. Yeah. I, I cuz I didn't even know too much about it.
1: Well, that's why I'm here. Yeah. Okay, so, here's the situation. Remember World War II? All right. <laughs> I before think some of us America do. got into the war. It was basically Britain had landed soldiers in France to help fight the Germans, but basically France folded after a pretty after a pretty easy loss. This is in
0: 19 19- 40?
1: The war started in nineteen thirty nine, and then in nineteen by nineteen forty, the French were out of the war. The English were still stuck in France, and they had to retreat to a spot on the coast in northern France, which is around the area of Dunkirk. And the Germans surrounded them, and there was and they had to be evacuated by sea, otherwise they were never going to get out. There were four hundred
0: thousand men they had to get out. Four hundred thousand. That was one of the that, that was the number that really got my mind reeling. Like how did that many people get onto that beach? Yeah, but it's <laughs> but the thing is it's not just people
1: on the on the literal beaches. It's people trying to keep Dunkirk from being overrun by the Germans. They're yes. defending it and meanwhile everybody in the rear is trying to get out and the British are scrambling to get as many ships as they can to the beach to get their army back because those are the men they're going to need to defend Britain once the, the war shifts.
0: Yeah, because you have that many number of men. I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that basically is the British Army. It's their,
1: most of their men-at-arms, yes. Yes. Men, I don't think that's the right, I didn't well, think that's the right term, but you
0: get the idea. But when you have that many men, and again, Britain, you know, they, they weren't a huge country. Um, but they were the only one able to put up a resistance
1: against Germany Because France France was out.
0: Yeah, you could imagine that if Britain folded too, that probably would have given Germany much better leverage to 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 come into America. Well, we'll stick to the
1: movie. (laughs) If you want to watch the Man in the High Castle, go ahead Uh, and do that.
0: No, but uh, no, I'm not talking about. So this is the
1: story of the evacuation, and it's told from three different points of view. Yes, uh, which I found. uh, I didn't necessarily find the people interesting although they were they were unique i found the way that they use those points of view by basically giving them different amounts of time in which we understood their experience well here's
0: what i would say to that because this Um, again
1: is christopher nolan doing his atypical chronology (laughs) he did it i it's it's it was there for memento it's there in inception it's kind of there in uh what whatever the hell space movie that was called Interstellar Interstellar there we go we talked about for a moment I kept wanting to say like Star Crash or something (laughs)
0: Uh, alright can I just say something to that though go ahead I actually really appreciated that because to me one of the things I really loved about this movie so much um, and this might be one of the best movies I've ever seen the enemy tanks have stopped why?
1: waste well, precious tanks when they can pick us off from the air like fish in a barrel there are 400,000 men on this beach
0: I, I am so hyped up on this movie right now <laughs> um it felt like even though there was that chronology and in a way we could almost say that Christopher Nolan's like a you know, you talk about sometimes directors are fanboys or something for this or that. He's like an intolerance fanboy. Yeah. <laughs> he really loves his overlapping, bo- kind of confusing chronologies. Again, th- this isn't so much the director of The Dark Knight making the war film. This is the director of Memento making the war film. Yeah. But what I liked is that he stripped away some of the narrative devices that, again, I, I do like I do like inception quite a bit i like dark knight more or less um but in this because the characters they they felt they were very functional to the story yeah but i but that's why i appreciate about a it a lot
1: one one of those things he stripped out a lot of potential dialogue
0: a lot of exposition that you don't need like even in inception at As much as that movie tries to show itself as this uh, crazy head trip of a movie, it has so much in the first, more than half the movie, I'd say, explaining about how the whole dream system works, and how things work, and how you're supposed to rely in dreams on this or that. Say what
1: you will about Christopher Nolan, but he's pretty efficient with his exposition.
0: Um. Usually. Yeah, sometimes. You
1: understand memento pretty easily.
0: Well, Memento felt a little more like the stripped-down type of thing more.
1: Well, yeah. But you understand Inception pretty easily. No one is confused about how dream travel is supposed to work in that film. Interstellar kind of falters. Because even after a while, I was kind of like, wait, what are they trying to do? But still, this film is an, is a another good example of it, him doing it.
0: It's that. so much just... Almost in a way, like, and I make that intolerance uh, comparison, but I don't make it lightly. This, in a lot of time, a lot of time felt like a silent film. Like, because you're just following characters, like, okay, so as Andrew said, there are three timelines in this movie. One timeline follows, by and large, the soldiers that are on the beach. Or more specifically, we're sort of following these two soldiers who initially try to... They, they, they help save like this one wounded guy and get him onto a boat, which they barely just do. Then they get off of that, they're, they're on the beach for a while, and then they somehow get onto another boat. That's one story. There's another story that takes place over the course of a day. This has Mark Rylance. He uh, is just an average citizen, he, you know, and he's an older man. And his, he and his, I guess his two sons uh, come with him. Did you say the two his sons son and a friend oh his son and a friend come on with like this little boat which is not any it's just a little boat that you know you might use for fishing or something and they're among the many people who were going out to get literally get the people who were on the beach and you know stranded to get them to safety so they wouldn't be you know killed so you have that that takes place over a day also then there's another soldier. Uh, Chillian Murphy, who becomes involved in that story, and then you have Tom Hardy as Top Gun. <laughs> Tom Gun, Top Gun, Tom meets, Gun. Top Gun meets Bane. No, but there, there, but there he's. Needs to be, I'll talk about that thing. more in a moment. And that he, thing's he, like he's over.
1: A, he's a fighter pilot. Yeah, he's trying to protect the beach, but it's. But here's the thing: it's these graded timescales, but like everything. The, uh, the The film is cut so that everybody's story is interspersed pretty well with everybody else's. But the different storylines take place over different time periods. Yeah, the two soldiers, their story takes place over the course of a week. Uh, yeah, as I was the, saying, one the, week, the boat, the, the people on the boat, their story is, takes place within the course of a day. Yeah. Tom Hardy's parts all take place within the course of an hour. Yeah. But they're all present throughout the film, the, you, which was... And so that ends up with a lot of overlapping narratives. You revisit the same scene from several different points of view. Yes. And you, you maintain this chronology, this historical chronology, while also having everybody in their proper place.
0: Yes. And to me... It's something also, that's quite clever. It's, it has a thorough emotional logic yes to it because even though you know in your brain watching it okay so yeah this is taking place when yeah, that's not the same because you know logically a lot a lot of the stuff that's taking place over a week it's not going on at the same time as the stuff going on during the, the full day and then the part that's over an hour but you, it's almost a little bit like uh, when you're looking at one of those uh, those Russian dolls a Matrushka. Yeah, a Matrushka, where you have, like, the one thing that's the tiniest, and the one that's a little bit larger, and then the one that's much larger, and... The the, the three plots nest pretty well within each other. And them. the thing is, there's so much suspense in this movie. Yeah. This is one of the most suspenseful war films I've ever seen. It's pretty tense. Yeah, because and it's, pretty... it's full of incident, and the thing is again even though the characters are stripped down for for the most part not not completely because the stuff with mark rylance and his uh, the two bo- the boys and Charlie murphy there's a lot of character there but you have characters who are constantly trying to evade getting killed by these forces that they can't see
1: oh that's another thing that's pretty atypical for there are two things that are pretty atypical about this for a war film especially for world war ii one, we never see the Germans.
0: No, we don't
1: two there is no gore.
0: yeah I guess this is a PG13. there is
1: no blood there are no guts mm. something which we in America take for granted in our World War two Well
0: <laughs> it, we've taken it for granted I think more so in the past 20 years or so like saving Private Ryan I think changed a lot of how people kind of view warm films yes. And, but uh, it's not to say
1: people don't die. People die, in some pretty bad ways. But, but it's uh, but it's all done in this. But that's not important as, the entire scenario which is surrounding.
0: This. I think another thing that I not I don't know if this is exactly atypical. Maybe you can tell me this is that the, the movie also, its setting, makes it feel different than the Law of War movies I've seen. Yeah. Because it takes place mostly on the beach, on the water. Um, and yet this is also at the same time one of the most British movies I've ever seen. It's pretty British. It is very well not just in the characters and how they talk. like when we were leaving, I overheard a guy saying the movie need subtitles <laughs> because he was kind of a ugly American and you know it, God forbid you listen to people with an accent talking English. Can't understand all their words. Go see Train Spying, um, but no, the, this.
1: That's it, but, that, but the, that's why they gave most of the exposition to men like Kenneth Branagh.
0: Well, because <laughs> well, he also does it so well, um, but well, I can debate you on that. Well, no, but you know, I, I can. He's someone who, when he is giving us information, he's probably one of the characters that gives the most exposition. He, I, I think, he does it in a way that. You can at least understand the stakes of why the, why we can't why they can't get the people off the beach faster. Why why there's so much? He's there tension. for us. He kind of is, um, but he, well, I he's, wa- kind, he's an info dump. He, he dumps the info
1: on us, but he, uh, he but he does it well. It, it,
0: He's also the guy. To, I, I, he's also the guy to be there on the pier, looking at things and looking concerned.
1: Oh, if if you're going to hire someone to do that, yeah, kind of
0: <laughs> hire Hamlet. Um, hire
1: the man who directed Thor.
0: Yeah, or Henry V. Um, but <laughs> no, I was, but to go back to the look of the film though, for a second, like when, when I say it's British, it's very gray and cloudy. Well, that's that's
1: what the English Channel is like.
0: No, I know that, but. It, I think what emphasized that is um, there are a number of ways to see this movie too by the way um, because Christopher Nolan is who he is he, he's one of the most uh, he has the most clout of almost any filmmaker in Hollywood right now um, Interstellar he tried this out where he uh, released the film I guess now it's an anomaly but he released that on 35 millimeter and a little bit of 70 millimeter very limited. Uh, then the Hateful Eight, I think, opened up 70 millimeter more, uh, and now you have this movie was released on a really good number of 35 millimeter and 70 millimeter screens and IMAX 70 millimeter. But at the but what's funny is that we saw this in 70 millimeter, which was I guess I was kind of driving that force because I I just feel like that needs yeah, to be. Yeah, Jack likes supported. to spend money. Uh, t- <laughs> we probably would have had to spend money anyway, but um. It, so you
1: got your precious 70 millimeter. We did. What
0: did but it get you? It got me feeling like I was there. There
1: I, there were moments when I felt was there, especially in the cockpit scenes, because yeah. there were moments when those planes were weaving and I was like ducking my head and yeah. swerving back
0: and forth. It, it's a movie that even though it takes place, you're, you're seeing a lot of things, uh, you know, th- there are these soldiers on the beach and these soldiers on the boats. A lot of it feels claustrophobic. And that's what I think is effective about not showing any Nazis or Germans. You don't have that... You you don't have that presence that you can see. They
1: exist in the back of our minds. Because we know the basic situation. These men are surrounded. But the threat is not from the German army itself. It's from these dive bombers. It's from these planes that are trying to sink all the ships. And it's from the U-boats, which are sinking ships anyway. Even if you get off the beach... You would, you will probably drown when your boat
0: sinks. They're, yes, there. It's it's basically a completely no win situation. I mean, there's one point where uh, I don't know where when it takes place, but sometime over the course of the week, where uh, the two guys who are following from the the beach story, they're just kind of sitting on the beach, being like, "Oh God, what are we doing?" And this random soul, other guy, just walks into the water, yeah, to kill himself.
1: No, he. he- Basically, that's the, that's the fatigue convincing him that he can swim to England. Yeah, it. And you know, if you're in that position, like Dunkirk is in a place which is the nearest place in Europe to Britain.
0: Yes, you're uh, not going to get any closer
1: to that. Wh- and then when you're you're like, you know, Kenneth Branagh is like, yeah, you can practically see it. And and where is like,
0: Dunkirk exactly? It's in the north of France. Okay. Close to England. Okay. I, I oh oh is it one of those like. Is it the kind of town where you have people who have like swum from Dunkirk to England? And back? I don't know. You have the well, you have people like that sometimes. But I, I mean, know it's absurd. Ta- I mean, point. it's
1: it, it it's a town on the coast. The British happen to be there because they have nowhere else to go.
0: Well, another interest. Yeah, that, that's the thing that's also interesting is that the movie starts off, and the, the move the opening is the only time you actually see combat in the town right right because there that you only have that moment where and that's how we're kind of introduced to uh one of our characters and you're immediately put into the oh my god there's no escape from this horror because he's in like a group of men and all of them get shot except for him just by narrowly escaping and then finally finding a french uh uh uh, blockade um but that was another interesting choice, because he could have done that. He could have done, and I think maybe someone who was trying to make a more conventional film might have had that point of view, too. Um, but he didn't do that. He made it, It's a, in a way, it's a very bleak movie. Yeah. Even though, even though, if you know your history, you know how it comes out. Yeah,
1: it's not one of the bright moments in World War Two.
0: Well, no, I think even near the end of the film, they kind of acknowledge. Well, didn't Churchill even acknowledge that in his speech? Eh.
1: <laughs> I think they were basically... This is not a spoiler because it's history. I think they were basically surprised that they got so many people out.
0: Yeah, because it. you almost... They were basically, like, fish in a barrel. Yes. For a lot of that. If, if the Germans had even... Just a a shred of better air force capability or more ships, they probably would have. It probably would have been like the bloodiest slaughter since like Gettysburg or something.
1: I don't know, but it's it's funny you mentioned fish in a barrel because yeah, that is the essential scenario of this film. It's probably mirrored in one very specific scene towards the end.
0: (sighs) That. That we'll talk about of,
1: that in spoilers, but...
0: Is, uh, I guess it is. A, it is. Sort of, it is. I didn't even think we were going to have a spoiler right. section for this movie.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know what exactly you could spoil, but, you know... there
0: Actually, at, there is one thing you could kind of spoil, but we'll get involved... The involves, thing I
1: could... The, the basically, what else... The only thing I could really say else is that... Oh, shoot. I forgot. Well,
0: well, here's, well here's the thing. We, we've talked before on the show, and I've talked with you also off-mic about how... When it comes to h- movies dealing with history, historical films, a big part of it is authenticity. Okay. And this just is one of the... It feels so authentic. Yeah. It feels like you're... And because it's all based on... not it's It's not all one incident. It's these little gradual... Incidents that are one on top of another, and you have like this little incident happening here, and meanwhile, though this is still happening with Tom Hardy, and then oh here's what's going on on the boat with uh, with with Rylance and uh, and Chilling Murphy and and the drama that happens there, which is its own very tragic uh, scenario that's going on, um, True. and it, um, and because of that, you're you're constantly on edge. It's not like the kind of thing where, uh, in Saving Private Ryan, for example, we talk. You know, you could talk about how bloody that movie is. That movie actually takes that has a lot of uh, times. Like Spielberg gives the audience a lot of time to have a breath of, yeah. uh, of air. This is not like that. This has. Uh, in this,
1: you get moments of slightly relaxed tension. Yeah. There are there are these peaks where the tension really rapid, ratchets up, and even when those moments are over, everything is still tense because yeah. everyone is still stuck where they where they don't want to be
0: yeah well because also you have moments too where uh, in a way that that the, the teaser trailer that came out for Dunkirk uh, a while back and it was one of the best teaser trailers too that you could ever see because it was just it had a few other shots but its main defined image was showing these like hundred soldiers on the dock. And they're all looking down, but then you hear the the sound of the plane coming, and then one soldier looks up, and then another, and then another, and then all of them look up at once and duck, and it's like, Dunkirk!
1: You want to know a little bit of historical trivia about that? Is that that based on a true thing? The planes that were bombing the beaches of Dunkirk were these things called dive bombers. They're these fighters that have um, bombs on them. But the Germans, they took the pl- they took the planes and they added these sirens to them,
0: hmm. so
1: that when they dove, they dive straight down so they can target uh, what they're gonna hit. Right. And then as they dive, the sirens start wailing, and that's the siren sound that you hear in the movie. It's planes that literally have sirens attached to them to scare the hell out of the people who are below them. Right. So that's where that sound comes from, and that is one of the best parts of this, I think, the
0: sound. Yeah, the sound design of this movie is also something that really keeps you on edge. Uh, Hans Zimmer's score, I was talking about this with our, our friend Matt Rosen uh, on the way after we saw the movie. Um, he, he, I don't think he really cared for the score too much. I, I thought it added tremendously to the movie, even though I recognize that it is a bit manipulative at times, oh. the way that it—it's so going like it's like oh my god!
1: <laughs>
0: well, Hans Zimmer is always.
1: It, Han, it, it's hard to. It didn't have. Well, I will say about this score. It's hard sometimes part, it to take Hans Zimmer seriously because you know he, he's, he's
0: become a meme. He paints
1: in such broad strokes that he, he becomes. Uh, easy to parody but you know Hans Zimmer has always been more impressionistic yeah rather than crafting a sort of tune that you can hum yeah and but... ultimately the Inception Blom is here to stay
0: <laughs> this doesn't have an Inception bomb though we should we should point but that out but it's
1: constantly uh but it's it, it it works on the motif of the ticking clock yes where you have these regular beats and uh and these undercurrents the, underneath it. The,
0: the emotional feeling of this film is it constantly feels like a bomb is about to go off. Hmm. I don't know. Like not constantly. I'm but trying to much think of, of how time. I would describe it. I'm not saying you're wrong. Uh, I'm, Maybe there's a better way to phrase it, like than that.
1: I think uh, the way I think of it is that there is that. And I guess it's what... like it's it, it's like that sort of claustrophobic feeling that that you were talking about. It's like there's this sort of fullness in in, in every scene, and also in, uh, there's and there's not even like room for the audience to breathe. Mm-hmm. There's not there's never really that moment of silence where you get to like take stock of your thoughts, because it's like just like just like that beach is crowded. And just like it seems like we're never gonna get off. Also, it also seems like we, we the audience, are never going to have a moment where we can just relax and think we're safe for a minute.
0: Yeah, it, it, it works more on the level of, you know, it's a war movie, but it's one of those thrillers where, again, you're caught in a very uh, tight situation. Um, not unlike, I don't know, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something to compare it to. Because I'm trying to think of other war films. The only thing I can think of to compare it to is this film's basically what will
1: be this film's companion uh, The Longest Day
0: well I've not seen that movie
1: oh The Longest Day is a very good film it's it's the story of well, the it's, Normandy invasion
0: yeah and it's and it, that's it's, something like that was back in Hollywood uh, that was a big epic that, that, that had everybody was, in it that
1: was a star-studded cast packed with people Sean Connery was in it in his, in <laughs> early, in his, early in his career
0: Sean Connery and John Wayne and yeah everybody but
1: the, the thing is, tonally these two films are very different, oh, but yeah. structurally in terms of seeing the same event from several different points of view it, it's it's almost the same uh, the difference is, is that Christopher Nolan, he, he ratchets up the tension, he 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 really glooms it up and then he, uh, he does that sort of telescoping time scale, which does a really good job, because without that you would have to Bring these people in in their proper time. In which case, we'd be seeing most of these soldiers, and then at the end, we'd get more characters thrown in, and then we get finally one more character thrown in, to to basically uh, get this off to a accurate uh, to in an accurate way.
0: Yeah, um, it really
1: highlights how in, integral that that telescoping timescale is, and how important it is.
0: It's to this so, entire and, and film. and it's so elaborate too. I I feel like I. I need to see the movie again, not, not simply necessarily for, you know, oh, I need to experience this because of how it, it kind of blows my mind or puts me under my seat. It, it's more so because I just want to see if I can spot, okay, when is when was that taking place in relation to that? And when was when was the plane going over at that point? Because that's one of the things that disorients you in a good way as far as the way that the movie cuts between, not all the time, but if but a, a few times between Mark Rylance on the boat and Tom Hardy fighting in uh, in in the dogfight, because you have those moments where it's like, okay, is this? Because you have you know that obviously the the day that Mark Rylance is taking place on that boat, the the whole that whole story, that will involve the day when Tom Hardy's one hour of. Oh my God! Heroicness is going on, there, but at what point is that going to cross over? And at what point are are we seeing this, or are we going to be misdirected to suddenly get this other moment that's going to throw us off edge?
1: Eventually, you have to pull back from that one moment where all three timelines intersect.
0: Yes, and uh, not unlike not unlike Inception, where well, you have a little bit of that. With where... Inception,
1: it was a little more clear because all those things were were so. Each, each each different timeline depended on the other one. Yeah, these are practically independent, and they just happen to cross at this one moment. It's more of a matter of circumstance than it is by any sort of plan. Which is what yeah. Inception is all about. I they plan for these differences in time in Inception. It, the I mean the ca- the uh, the characters do in in Dunkirk.
0: It's all more or less coincidental. It's coincidental, but it's also unlike inception it's a little more unpredictable um it's it's it, that that's another thing that is in the movie's favor is that you also because all, another thing too is because a lot of the soldiers who aren't the actors we recognize sometimes that will also throw you off a little bit too mm. um, especially near the very end there's this moment where a character is on a dock and wakes up and then another character is also on a train and you think for a moment, is he having like a dream? And is he still back on the dock? I, I think we knew that wasn't this movie. No, but but in a way, but, but no time, one handled all this
1: time he was being
0: incepted. No, but but that's the thing. No one did such a good job though of making it feel like you don't know where you are. Almost he in that in that one moment that almost felt more dreamlike than a lot of the dream stuff in Inception. Um, uh, and now... I will.
1: I want to. I want to I, I kind of finish up our main segment by talking about two problems I have with the film. Oh. Okay. Okay. The f- first problem is. Uh, it has to do with the ending of the film. Hmm. Not that I like how dislike how it ends, but I dislike how we have a climax. Yeah. And the rest is falling action, and then denouement. That. Really,
0: Did it that, take the air out of it.
1: That all plays out very slowly and very gradually until it becomes one moment after another, and it really overstays its welcome in order to cram in a whole lot of things. So you have all this tension, which is great. Up for, through two thirds of the film, we have our climax, climax, and all the tension goes out, and it wouldn't be a problem because. It wouldn't be a problem if only it wasn't so long after that.
0: I don't think I don't think it felt too long. I think that you needed a little bit of time to deflate from everything that just came before uh, before it.
1: But th- my problem is is that everything is so so well condensed. First of all, Christopher Nolan has stripped out so much that we don't need. I mean the two soldiers we follow barely speak.
0: Uh it's, very, Tom, Tom it's very, it's very, it's uh, very. What's the word? Uh, utilitarian. It's, uh, if that's the word, it's, it's just there to uh, get us from one point to the next. But we can place ourselves in those characters. Yeah,
1: I mean, we don't need to know much about them. We, we understand their, we understand who they are from their entire situation. And then we have uh, the, the men on the boat. They have a very simple goal. They have simple interactions with each other. There are very few people. They and people they have to talk to, very few ideas they have to get across. Tom Hardy talks to his other two pilot friends, and it's easy to understand what he's doing. His job is very simple. He just has to protect the beach, shoot down planes, do the awesome stuff. But basically all those plots coalesce. We accomplish what we have to do, but for some reason There's this long moment where we have to see... We have to tie up every loose end. We have to tie up every Mm. little notion. We have to see where all the characters go. We have to see what happens in Britain after the war. We have to see where everybody goes. Mm. And it's like, we didn't need all that. We just needed to say, these two people are safe. These people did their job. This is what happened to this guy.
0: I I didn't... I could see where you're coming from with that. I didn't have as much... I didn't have too much of a problem with that on this viewing maybe if i see it again i might feel the link more i i feel like after everything the characters went through my defense would be that i i kind of do want to see how now that they've gone through this they're now a little bit a part of history how are they reacting to that like the one character i'll just it's not really a spoiler a character reads from a newspaper churchill's famous uh, uh, speech. Uh, we shall never surrender. Yeah. No, like you've heard that speech, if even if you I don't have, think you have. What and did we I, need I that for?
1: I I think I, it was, considering it was something of a so well contained where we don't even see the Germans. How do we? Why do we have to hear Winston Churchill's speech when so much of this film isn't about what the war is about? It's about these people trying to get out. Uh, so it yeah. it pulls back too much when we didn't need to do that
0: i think it gave it a a nice little bit of just a tiny bit of context for me at the very end into the bigger picture that what that was the rest of the war and it didn't do it too much it did it just enough for me and and i also liked seeing how uh Without saying what happens to him for now, maybe we'll t- talk about it in spoilers, but seeing how Tom Hardy's story ended up... Well, you have to I see how that, that ends up, but it
1: took a long time for them to wrap that up.
0: No, I, I enjoyed that. I, I actually think that was... Thematically, that, that was really important for the, the end of the movie, because it gave a very strong, bittersweet feeling about what this movie... Ultimately was. It was much more bitter than sweet, but it, it kind of gave you this feeling of just, you know, you think that everything is going to be okay for a moment, and it really isn't. All right. I don't know. I, I, again, it, I, I can see what you mean. I didn't have as much of a problem as you did with it. Okay. The I'll, other problem I way. have. Who wrote the dialogue for Kenneth Branagh? Um,
1: the... I, I I know he's supposed to be our exposition guy, but I mean he gets basically all the movie lines in this film. I, I I saw that even in the trailer. It's like you you see the trailer for Dunkirk and he says you can almost see it from here, and someone says and someone obviously has to see say see what and he's like oh, and and I'm like mm. who talks like that? Who says oh you can almost see it from here? And then it's like you have. Someone has to ask you what you're talking about. I, that, that in a sense, basically encapsulated what I expected from Kenneth Branagh. But I didn't... But, you know, with the whole film around it being so spare with dialogue and actually being really good with it, everything he says sounds like it's part of a movie script.
0: Um, I, I was okay with it, just... I, I, I Yeah, it... That was probably my least yeah, favorite okay part of the movie with
1: it because you're in love with this film right. No,
0: no, now. I I will You're talking about how this is the greatest Christopher
1: Nolan film ever. And then like in 3 weeks you're going to say, "Oh yeah, Andrew was right."
0: No, no, here's what I would say now after seeing the movie. Okay. It among, I I can still find things that are that are that are not perfect about a movie that I love, right? Uh, and I'm saying
1: right now though.
0: I am on you a high from everything that works about the movie so much that maybe I'm a little more forgiving of the things that don't work as much that you are making good points about. Um, here's what I'd say about the Kenneth Branaghs. Uh, and again, it's not all of the dialogue. You're pointing out the trailer lines, which, yeah, it is very trailer-y. But they it, 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 say... It, "It, Thank you, please. okay. Right, I, okay I know okay. I interrupt you sometimes. I, I'm I, sorry, I... I I'm calming down. Okay. Calm. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> um, Finish up. Finish I, what you were uh, saying. It, if it had been, like, the whole movie, like, I think that, like, a lot, sometimes Christopher Nolan has that problem in other movies. Um, sometimes he writes good, quote, kind of movie lines. That's why we remember the Joker so well, because he had really good lines like that in, in The Dark Knight. Um I could see why it might feel out of place. I think that for me, because it was only a couple times, it, I could live with it. And it was also, uh, it was also, uh, uh, frankly, a, a nice little anchor for just a moment where, okay, here's someone who in this very experimental war movie structurally speaking and uh and how it's stripping everything down. Um you know, he he is the kind of character from an old time war movie. Uh in a way. Well
1: I I, I agree with that.
0: uh but, but I by but almost I don't know, there's a part of me that if he was it, it, if it,
1: this film was a few decades older he would be played by David Niman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Kenneth
1: Branagh would have had a pencil mustache
0: and uh <laughs> it would have been a lot more dabber. and and uh, and um yeah you you would have had like G- guns in the Navarone um style um <laughs> uh. maybe it's because he can just deliver it pretty well well
1: I mean he's kind of brown I would never say that he does anything poorly
0: I mean I, I'm you're trying I'm trying to think of a way to defend it exactly i I guess because I was caught up in the rest of what everything else that was going on when they dro- when he suddenly popped up in the film, Again, he, he doesn't have a whole lot of the, quote, movie lines, like you say. A lot of his dialogue is more about, yeah, relaying some information. O- occasionally also cleverly done in that at least a couple of times, or at least the first time we see him talking to other sol- to other officers, it's beca- it's we're hearing it because the other two soldiers that we're following are, like, hiding under the planks right. and are listening in on him. Um, so I like that. Po- so that's when we actually hear him say that you could practically see it from your home. Um, I think the other thing too is, uh,
1: I, uh, I, I, I understand that we do need that exposition because as you said, a lot of people aren't familiar with this event. People and don't, I,
0: people don't understand the geography of it. That, that people might not even understand that this is how, ha- like, people that, don't understand why this was important. Yeah. Well, especially American people. Uh, maybe people in England... I could see this probably being, like, one of the biggest movies in England of all time or something. because um, it's so British. Um, I, I... Again, I... It's another thing like the end of the movie. I can see why you had a problem with it. I'm just... Off of coming off of the movie, I... I don't know. I, I was okay with it. Uh, it... I'm trying to think of a way to defend it, exactly. Um, it...
1: I, other than that, I the these are basically the 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 ending thing is what I'm more worried about. Kenneth Branagh, I'm I'm not too worried about because I'm I would I'm gonna pro- wa- probably watch this film again. Okay. Because it was because the first two thirds are so tense but so uh, exceptional. Yes. And the structure is so uh, is is so inventive and it's so well it's- well put together. That I think all of that basically overrides a lot, a lot of what I'm complaining about. Now, again, this basically means the film isn't perfect, but you know. No, I is, I would agree too. Only like, Casablanca I, is a perfect film. Yeah, so it, it,
0: there we go. That that is look the, when he says lines like that in the film. Again, it's my it is my least favorite part of the movie. That's also like me saying that like Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now is my least favorite part of that movie. <laughs> which is kind of true but I still kind of love Marlon Brando in the block yeah I mean
1: you're talking about like what's my least favorite awesome thing in this movie
0: yeah so uh... it's kind of like or I don't know like in Full Metal Jacket it's like my uh, the, the, those those scenes where we're just kind of uh, slowing down and watching uh, Joker narrating over stuff that we shouldn't be interested in it's my least favorite part of the movie but I don't know. Maybe that would grow on me in another viewing. Maybe it might detract from me. And you're probably right. I know that we we've, we've done this sometimes on the podcast before, where we when we I, the the example I'll always come back to is Doctor Strange, where I came back from that being blown away. I feel like mean I not was, so much. I was blown away though more by this movie because I felt like following Christopher Nolan's career since not just Memento, also following. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw that movie. I don't know. Maybe you were maybe in the room when Matt was watching or something like that. possibly. Following, for those of you who don't know, Following was Chris Nolan's very first movie. He shot it on a shoestring. It was basically his uh, black and white noir movie. Um, I think that a lot of what I've seen Nolan do as far as how he's tried to change how people look at the uh, complex narratives. Try to look at overlapping stories. You when... Also, just time.
1: Right, because yeah, but because even though Christopher Nolan films aren't, uh, do have flaws and sometimes obvious flaws, I would watch most of them again. It. I mean, there's so many, there's so few directors where you could say, oh yeah, that film has problems, but I wouldn't mind watching that again.
0: Yeah. Or
1: you know, this is oh this is on TV. We got to watch that again. The only... I, every time the Dark Knight's on, I'm like, oh, sweet, sweet, we gotta, we gotta watch this. Even though that film has tons of problems.
0: Oh, yeah. But,
1: um, you know, that... I feel like
0: this, this felt like it it didn't... Ha- a, the thing is, if it did have problems, it weren't too many. And the things that were good about it were really good. Yeah. And it was, again, the, this kind of daring in storytelling. You just don't get in movies. We're in a summer... That's that that has stuff like Transformers Five and <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean Five and and God what what else Despicable Me Three and then you get something like this and I feel like well that's that's a little more of a taste thing but I see what you no,
1: mean no we, we I no one's gonna be talking about those films for uh, for uh, for their
0: artistic uh, uh, merits it's it's someone trying to put a different take on a genre in such a way that could easily actually have fallen apart also, too. That's the other thing that might be impressing me, too, is the fact that this could have, you know, if he hadn't been on his game, this could have been a mess. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, when
1: I first saw that tra- the trailer for this, I was like, this is going to be awesome. I was not disappointed.
0: Okay, that's a so, good way to wrap so up this first part. I think, I
1: think this film's, film has problems, but still uh, i'm looking forward to seeing it again because yeah, i there I'm... is so much about this film which i appreciate not just as a movie lover not just as a history buff but as a guy who's just like this was a great experience
0: this uh, yeah and uh, just so much effort put in on the part of uh, the actors again you have people i should also mention you know if you have someone like mark rylance and uh even Chilling Murphy, they do a lot with what they. Have. T- Tom Hardy is once again like I. Tom Hardy basically had to sit in a
1: cutaway cockpit for the whole thing, <laughs> and, and he, he was, still, and he still gets a performance.
0: He he, once again, I, I want a third movie, uh, where Christopher Nolan and Tom Hardy have a, you know, it's nothing but his eyes. <laughs> You know that people are going to be making Bane jokes about this. I even well, He Where's a
1: Tom Hardy does wear a mask for
0: most of the film. He wears a mask. <laughs> that any it's not even he looks exactly like Bane but and we but... could
1: understand him.
0: Yeah, we so, can understand so, uh, him.
1: So Christopher Nolan has learned.
0: <laughs> now is not the time for fear. That comes later. I actually heard that line of dialogue a few times. <laughs> Come on, my brother! You must embrace Bane is like Bane is like wheezing <laughs> Sean Connery. Uh, yeah, he, well, no, he's he's not wheezing Sean Connery. He's like Sean Connery if he was even more drunk than he usually did is. Tell you about, <laughs> did I ever tell you about? Did I ever
1: tell you when I saw went to see the Dark Knight Rises? Okay. There's a part in the film where we have we, we've, ha- we've seen Bane. we've oh. We've seen uh, we've seen Bruce Wayne, and he's doing his Batman voice. And then, like, Commissioner Gordon gets hurt, and he's in the hospital, and, you know, he's injured and stuff, so he can't really talk like a normal person. He's got, like, a, he's got an oxygen mask on, and he's, he's like, I knew you would come. And I'm like, oh, great, all three of our leads
0: can't talk now. <laughs> <laughs> I have a letter from Jim Gordon. Um. So, alright, so we, we kind of gave our thoughts on this. Uh, I don't
1: think we need to go into any spoilers on this, unless there's something you want to talk about. I, I think um, I've said everything I want to say about this film.
0: Yeah, I guess I did too. I, the only thing I would say is the very end with Tom Hardy. I think I—that's the one part of the ending I know I liked more than you did. I think I that I, I also liked how protracted it was. I kind of liked how that was the one part of it that I really appreciated, and like just the way that cinematically—spoilers—if uh, you don't want to hear this—the way that he's about to, you think that he's about to crash on the beach. And then, little by little, he's trying to get the wheels to come out of the plane. And it's like, oh my God, is he going to do it? Is he going to do this? Oh, God. And then he finally does it. And he, and he that, lands the plane. There
1: is that little bit of suspense that I forgot about. Oh, so, and, yeah, you're right and about then,
0: that. It, and then he finally lands the plane and he gets out of it. But then he knows, oh God, I am behind enemy lines again. And he gets captured. That kind of encapsulates the movie for me. In a way.
1: Well... I see what you're saying. Maybe I'll change my mind.
0: Yeah, but,
1: but I think we can wrap it up. So Jack,
0: go what see is this. Your,
1: m- what is like your one sentence review for this? It's a matinee. <laughs> okay, let's try that again, but serious.
0: Uh, so uh, this is a this is unlike a war movie that you've seen before. Again, it, it's not since like the Thin Red Line have I seen a filmmaker. Take on World War Two, and make it their own. Okay. How's this, that as a sentence? That's great. Okay.
1: This is a complicated film, but it's presented in the least complicated way possible.
0: Well, yeah. For, uh, well, hopefully for most audiences. There but yes. are
1: some layers to this, and you won't be sorry for seeing it.
0: It's a layer cake of holy crap tension and beautiful filmmaking. I couldn't have said it better. And if you want to give us your thoughts on it, you can visit us at the Wages of Cinema at uh, uh, Facebook and Twitter, or at wagesofcinema@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you've seen the movie, I'm sure there'll probably be some Nolan fanboys out there. Maybe. Do Nolan one fanboys you... exist? They still, well, maybe now that IMDb is gone. When the IMDb message boards were around, they were around a lot more. Um, but now that that's over with. And maybe I don't
1: know. you can tell us which one of us will change our mind about the quality of this film. Will yeah. it be Jack? Will it be Andrew? Tell us who you think it is. And bet yeah. money.
0: <laughs> and um, so go see it and try to see it on 70mm. Give got, it a shot. Yeah. You owe it to yourself. Exactly. So Pay money. Yes, pay money to go see a movie in a the theater. And if, and if you can't see this one, go see Baby Driver. Um, sorry. So All right. with that said, thank you for listening. I'm Jack. And I'm Andrew. And remember the wages of cinema is death on the beach or by plane, or by air, or by sea, but usually in the water. Yeah. Have a good night, everyone. Good night. Good night.